You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right, Philippians tonight, chapter number one. The first chapter of the book of Philippians. We're going to continue this. Philippians is a great book, great church. Uh, just such a challenge of what we should be. Not only it's such a cool example because not only does it show uh, an example of a great church here in Philippi and the churches that surrounding this surrounded this Macedonia region, but then also the great example of what God has done in the life of the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a joyful people. He's encouraging joy. He's being joyful. It doesn't sound like a letter that you would read from a man that's in prison that's facing uh, an impending trial. He's going to have to stand before Nero, ultimately. Uh, Nero, of course, is, a, is an absolute madman. And, but you, you read this, and, and he's joyful, and he's encouraging, and he's praying. And there are so many lessons that we can learn, and we can be encouraged that through whatever it is that we may face in life, whatever difficulties we face, that we can still have the joy of the Lord. Now, I preached about depression on Sunday. If you didn't hear that, you could go back and listen to the podcast there. But I preached about depression. Uh, but did you know even during our dark times, we can still have joy? Joy is not necessarily, joy doesn't necessarily mean that you're giddy. Joy doesn't necessarily mean that you have goosebumps or anything like that. Uh, joy is that e- even in the dark time, even in the midst of the storm, it's, that, it's something on the inside that lets you know that, you know what, God is still good. Have you experienced that? I feel like as God's people, I feel like there's some of you could help me and testify tonight and I could get a witness to the fact that even in the dark times that, man, God comes and you're able to just to praise the Lord in some of the most difficult circumstances and see His mercy and His grace. And so we see that a little bit here in the book of Philippians. And I want to look tonight. He's continuing on this introductory chapter here. And we're going to start reading tonight in verse number... uh, Let's see. Let's start reading, if you would, please, in verse number 10. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places." And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so just to pause right there for a moment and say that it's a pretty awesome thing. I'm telling you, verse number 12, these things have fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. And we preached last week about the chain and about how that our chain can bring glory to God. And Paul's chains brought glory to God. And we can have certain chains in our life, but God can use them. Amen. The world may mean them for evil. The devil may mean them for evil, but God means it for good. And the things that we go through, they can, they can fall out to the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, you, we just got to have the right perspective, a biblical perspective, not looking at the things which are seen, but looking at the things which are not seen. But now we get into a couple interesting verses here. Uh, so he says in verse 14 that because of his boldness to preach 
even though he's in prison and he's keeping a good attitude, that it's emboldened others uh, to preach. But then in verse 15, he says, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I will, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So quickly, I want to show what he's trying to point out here. For one thing, he discerns the difference in their preaching. That word strife in verse 15, it says some preach out of strife, envy and strife. We know what envy means. Strife means uh, factuous rivalry, rivalry. So uh, they preach out of rivalry. They preach out of envy. So Paul discerned the difference, and then he goes on to discuss the difference in verses 16 and 17. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Now that adding affliction to my, my, my bonds is a very graphic description. That word affliction right there, it, it, it carries the idea of the, of the friction of, the, of the, the shackles that would have been rubbing on Paul's wrist and ankles. So he says, the affliction of my bonds, the word picture there is they hope that it, it, that it wears, wears out on my wrist and ankles even more. That's pretty bad, isn't it? That's pretty gross, pretty terrible attitude. Now, so he discusses the difference. He, uh, he discerns the difference, but then he ultimately dismisses the difference in verse 18. But I, I want to tell you what these verses are saying and what they're not saying. Some preach Christ out of envy and out of strife. Now, he is not talking about people that are preaching another Christ here, okay? These are verses that some would use to say, oh, it doesn't matter. As long as they say something about Jesus, it's all good. No, because the same apostle inspired by the same Holy Spirit of God said that there will be some that will come preach another Christ whom we have not preached and preach another spirit whom we've not preached. And so... He is not, and then you go to the book of Galatians, the same, the same apostle, the same Holy Spirit said that if, if, if us or an angel from heaven or anybody comes preaches another gospel, then that which you've received, let him be accursed. And then he repeats himself there in Galatians chapter number one and says the same thing again. Let him be accursed, which means let him be damned if he's preaching another gospel than what uh, we're preaching to you today. And what that's simply saying is this. He is not saying as long as somebody preaches Christ, he's talking about preaching Christ the way Christ should be preached. These, so, so as hard as it is to believe, these people that are preaching out of envy and out of strife are preaching the right gospel. They are preaching the true Christ. So he's not justifying these religions out there in the world that that have a Christ set up in their religion, but yet they say that it's baptism that saves or good works that saves or church membership that saves, not Christ. Folks, the Christ they're preaching is not the right Christ. The gospel they're preaching is not the right Christ. And the Apostle Paul is not saying, boy, I sure am glad they're preaching Jesus over there uh, because they're not preaching Jesus if they're not preaching the true gospel. 
But then it does beg the question, doesn't it? How could these people that are preaching the right gospel, preaching the right Christ, be doing it out of envy, be doing it out of strife? Well, if you've been in the ministry a while, you can figure that out pretty quick. And it's a sad thing to say, but the thing I want to let you know, uh, with me being your pastor, you may have a hard time believing this, but preachers are people too. We're just normal men. We, we have feet of clay. And of course, I'm, I'm kidding about when we've been your pastor, you're not understanding that. You can understand that very well. But the fact of the matter is, is it, it's, it's not an uncommon thing, for instance. I'll just give you an illustration. It's not an uncommon thing for a church in one part of town that's preaching the right gospel to have, want nothing to do with the church that's on the other side of town preaching the same gospel. Amen. Preaching the same Christ. Uh, that it's it's not uncommon for for church A to want to see church B fail. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for it's it's not uncommon to even hear of a uh, of a of a certain preacher falling, and somebody else over here rejoicing over their fall because they were envious because of the success of their ministry. Now, what I'm telling you should not be the case. It's not acceptable, yeah. but it is a, it's, it's a sad fact. And by the way, by God's grace, man, that's something we don't ever want to be a part of one way or the other. I mean, uh, envy and strife. And man, if God's blessing a ministry somewhere else that's preaching the gospel and doing right, hallelujah for them. Hey Amen. I mean, praise God. I mean, uh, more power to them. I mean, uh, and, and, and where, I, where I come from, you get into this a lot, but it's here too. We just have a, been down in North Carolina, you know, you've got a great concentration of churches. I mean, there, there's counties down in North and South Carolina to where there's uh, literally five, six hundred Baptist churches in per county. We don't, right? We, I mean, that's not an exa- exaggeration. That is a, that's a true uh, statement. Uh, and so, but, so when you get into that, you get all these little differences. You know, this church is this way, this church is that. This church runs buses and they, get, they give away a bike on their bus route. And they're giving away bikes and you, you give away a bike to, to get them there. You're going to have to give away a, a moped to keep them there or something. You know, and it's all this stuff. And so they're critical of this church doing this and critical of this church having children's church. And, it shouldn't be the case, but there, there is a lot of envy and strife in the ministry that preachers and churches have to guard against. And by God's grace, we're not doing that ever. Uh, we're not, I mean, we, we, we are willing to point out error in other churches and other ministries if need be, uh, just because the Bible says that we need to mark those that cause division and so forth. Um, but the, the motivation can never be out of envy and strife and hoping to and uh, God help those people. They're going to they're going to stand before God one day. I'd hate to stand before God the way some of these preachers I know are going to stand before God one day and answer for their wickedness Amen. in this regard. But the Apostle Paul, he he discerned that there was a difference. He discussed the difference, but then he dismisses the difference. He said, you know what? They're, they're preaching and they're, they're, they're saying, see, Paul didn't do it right. We're doing it the right way. That's why we're still out here preaching and he's locked up. Paul said, hallelujah. I'm just glad they're preaching. Amen. <laughs> I don't care if they are doing it despite me. As long as they're still preaching the right message, as long as they're preaching the gospel, they may disagree with me. They may be doing it for whatever reason. But if the gospel's being preached, the apostle Paul was able to uh, be magnanimous and uh, be able to rejoice in that. So... But now as we continue on, I just kind of wanted to deal with those verses there quickly about what it's saying and what it's not saying. But then he goes on to say this. 
Verse 18, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So now he's kind of progressing through the trial that he's going through. And he's saying, I know that what I'm going through, you see the optimism of the Apostle Paul. He's believing, he's trusting, he has faith. I know that this shall turn to my salvation. And he doesn't mean salvation as far as that he needs to be saved from hell. He's already been saved from hell, but he's talking about his salvation, his deliverance through the upcoming trial that he's going to be facing and, and so forth. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing shall in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You ought to mark that verse. Uh, write that verse down. Memorize that verse. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet I, I shall, or but, but I'm sorry, yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And we'll pause right there just for a moment. We see what Paul is going through and his determination. So as we consider the Apostle Paul, Paul faced his prospects prayerfully. He faced his prospects positively. Whatever it was that he was coming up against, whatever it is that lay ahead of him, he, uh, he was prayerful about it. He was trusting in the prayers of the people of God. And he was positive as he went into these things. Notice verse 20, his determination to magnify did you know that you and I should, are supposed to be magnifiers? We're supposed to magnify. Matter of fact, I believe many of us probably, I believe perhaps we all magnify something. But the Apostle Paul said, I am going to magnify Christ. Whether, whether I'm killed, whether I live, it doesn't matter. Whether I'm locked up, no matter what happens, I'm going to magnify Christ. That's what he's saying here. He was determined that Christ be magnified. You see, because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. Philippians 1.13 Because of Paul's critics, Christ was preached. In verse 18 but because of Paul's crisis, Christ was magnified. You've heard me say this many times. I've used the psalm where the Bible says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So we magnify. But it, you know, does Christ really need to be magnified? Well, he does, obviously. But after all, how can a mere human being ever magnify the Son of God? You ever thought about this? When you want to go look, if you want to get a really good look at the stars, you use a telescope. Now, a telescope is a pretty amazing invention, but when you compare the size and the scope 
uh, of a telescope to that of a star of a burning sun in another, uh, you know, somewhere, some way far away. Man, it's pretty small and insignificant. But that small telescope is able to magnify and bring into focus and make it bigger and more, more pronounced and to be able to see more of its glory and more of its beauty, more of its light. The, the magnifying glass brings these things into focus. It brings them closer. That which seems so far away, you look through that telescope and it brings it closer. See, and, and what the Bible's saying and what Paul is saying is that he wants to be that magnifier of Christ. See, each of us, each of us are supposed to be magnifiers. The believer's body is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close to people. What is Jesus to so many people in this world? You know what the Bible says in 1 John? One of the most amazing verses where the Bible says, as He is, so are we in this world. There's another way of saying that, and that's this. You will be the only Jesus that many people ever see. Now, you're not Jesus, but what I'm saying is Jesus in you. Now, think about this for a moment. The people that we come into contact with, what do they know of Jesus exactly? Maybe he's a baby in a manger. Maybe he's a man that's up on the cross. Maybe he's just some figure that lived many years ago. In other words, he's pretty far away. He's pretty small in the big scheme of things. As they go through their life, Jesus is not on the radar, so to speak. He's not something there, someone they're coming across. They've got so many other things in their life. Jesus is just a small part of it. That is until God puts one of His people into their life. Amen. That is until God introduces us into their life. And you know what he's saying? Okay, I want you to make Jesus big to them. Amen. That's good. We need to make Jesus big to our loved ones. It's not about making church big. Thank God for our church. Amen. It's about making Jesus big. It's not about making... Some people want to make their standards big. Look how holy and clean I live. No, we want to make Jesus big. Amen. Magnify Christ. And that's what, that, that's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. Every one of our lives should magnify Christ. Make Christ bigger. And you know what he's saying right there? He's locked up. And he's saying, if Nero decides to set me free, Christ will be magnified. If I stay in prison, Christ will be magnified. If I am killed, Christ will be magnified. Somebody says, well, uh, you know, Christ can be magnified in my life. I'm having too difficult of a time right now. No, He can be even more magnified because people can look at you and say, wow, what is going on? How can you do it? And you can say, oh, it's not me. It's the Lord. Amen. And somebody says, man, I, I might need some of your religion. You say, no, no, no. You're not seeing my religion right now. You're seeing a relationship. You're seeing Christ. You're seeing Jesus. Amen. I mean, our life should magnify the Lord. That was Paul's. That, you think about this. When Jesus walked on this earth, what did he do? He said, I've come to magnify the Father. Make him big. Make him real. 
And then, then our responsibility and the Holy Spirit said He's going to magnify the Son. And so we together magnify the Son of God. Jesus needs to be big. And man, we need to give God the glory. And we need to let people know that we're just a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace. Amen. And, and we, so we need to show this, this world through us. This world needs to be experienced. The love of Christ and the grace of God and the patience of the Lord. We need to allow that work to go in us. And that's, that's the context of, of what he even goes into, into. And I encourage you later to read the rest of chapter 1 into chapter number 2. Because he starts talking about the way we love our lives. Um, and how that magnifies the Lord. And that t- that's the type of life that magnifies the Lord. See, to the average person, Christ is a misty figure in history who lived centuries ago. But as the unsaved watch the believer go through this life, even in crisis, they can see Jesus magnified and brought so much closer. To the Christian with a single mind, like the Apostle Paul, Christ is is with us here and now. You ever notice, you know, religious people get awfully prideful, don't they? Religious people, they get very judgmental toward other people. And I'm talking about, you know, I know in a sense we're religious, I understand that. But I'm saying it's not, it's not us just trying to follow some set of rules and some religious creed uh, for the acceptance of this particular church or something. Man, we know Christ. And there's a difference. You know those people? And I'm telling you, there's one thing about man. Man is so hip- hypocritical. Because those that try to be holier than thou and sanctimonious, every one of them are sinners and fall. And therefore, they just end up looking like fools in the end when they're all trying to stick their nose up of everybody else. But yet they themselves are also sinful and sinners and maybe not in the same ways of others, but in other ways. The point is this, man, they need to, this world needs to see a difference in us. They need to see Jesus. So Paul, he, he had a determination to magnify the Lord. My earnest expectation and hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. I like that. Shall be magnified. It was a determination there. Now, you think about Paul. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Uh, well, and I want to say this also. The, the telescope brings distant things closer, but there's also a microscope. A microscope makes tiny things look big. To the unbeliever, Jesus is not very big. Other people and uh, other people and other things are far more important. But as the unbeliever watches the Christian go through a crisis experience, he ought to be able to see how big Christ Jesus really is. The believer's body is a lens that makes a little Christ look very big and a distant Christ come very close. So whether he looks small, we make him bigger. If he looks distant, we bring him close. That's the, that's the job. That's the responsibility of every one of us as God's people. Man, I want to see some people saved, don't you? Thank God for the souls that we've seen saved. But man, I want to see more people getting saved. And I'm telling you, the way that's going to happen is through people seeing Jesus in our lives. Listen, you don't have to know, you don't have to be able to, you know, to, to do some thorough breakdown of uh, an, an exegesis of some deep doctrine of the Word of God. And you don't have to know all your eschatology. And you don't have to be uh, hermeneutically and homiletically correct exactly. Some of you are looking at me funny. My point is, you don't need, you know what you need? You just need Jesus. 
Jesus. Amen? You know you're saved. I mean, grow in knowledge. Grow in faith. Don't misunderstand me. But don't just say, well, I don't know enough, so I can't be a witness for Christ. Sure, you can be a witness for Christ. If you're saved by the grace of God, you can be a magnifier. Amen? You can be a magnifier of the Lord. So, pretty awesome thing. Paul, his determination to magnify the Lord. But I'm telling you, there was something else that kind of went along with this. His determination to magnify the Lord, but also why and how he was able to magnify the Lord. Because he had the attitude of verse number 21, where the Bible says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he had discernment about this life. What's your perspective of this life? What's your perspective of the time that you've been given on this earth? He had perspective. He had discernment. What did he say? For me to live is Christ. Someone has said life is what we are alive to. Life is what we are alive to. So when he says for me to live is Christ, what he's simply saying is this. Christ is the reason I live. Jesus excites me, Paul is saying. I mean, that's it, man. You know one thing I figured out just about everyone I know? You can usually find some topic, and I like doing it because I'm a people person and I like talking to people. I like finding out what people are interested in. And you can sometimes find some of the quietest people, but you can, you can talk to them a little bit, and finally you find that one thing that kind of flips a switch, you know. It goes to the own switch. And there they go. This is what they're into, man. This is what they're alive to. Man, you know what that, you know what that ought to be? The, the goal for us, that ought to be Jesus. Amen? Amen. That right. ought to be Jesus. I mean, now there's nothing wrong with being alive to some other things in this world. But the thing that helped Paul to magnify Christ is that Christ, it was all about Christ for the Apostle Paul. It was all about Jesus. Amen. He got excited about Jesus. So life and th this life is what we're alive to. Christ was Paul's life. Christ excited him. Christ made life worth living. Every day. He knew that, man, uh, magnifying the Lord, you had to look to the Lord. He had to think to the Lord. Man, it's a shame sometimes when I think about what some of us may magnify as Christians. Do you ever think about that? You know, in other words, what, what can we magnify as Christians? We can magnify Christ. But if we, if, we, if we don't have the right attitude through our circumstances, through our difficulties, you know what? Sometimes we can magnify the wrong message. We can magnify the wrong message. We can magnify the wrong means. Um, if we're not keeping our thoughts right. If we're not saying, you know what? It's about Jesus. Amen. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm going through a tough time right now, but it sure is good to know the Lord. Amen. I don't even understand the hard time I'm going through right now, but it sure is good to know Jesus. Amen. And I mean, so he was able to, to see something through that. And it's not that Paul didn't have times of despair. We talked about that Sunday. It's not that he didn't have times that he despaired even of life. But when it came down to it, there was a joy that God would bring out in him and through him that would be a blessing to him and those around him. So Philippians 1.21 becomes a valuable test for our lives. And this starts right here, but it becomes a valuable test in our life. Philippians 1.21, for me to live, all right, this is you now, you ready? Don't say it out loud, but for me to live is... 
I said, don't say it out loud. Is it? If it is, that's great. Maybe you can say it out loud. But is that it? I hope it is. But there's a bl- just leave a blank there. For me to live is, what is it for you? I'm not asking, what is it for you? What is it that really just flips the switch for you? That gets you going? That gets you excited? That gets you talking, you know? What is it that you just can't wait for? What is it that, you, that, that drives you? For me to live is blank, and for me to die is blank. All right, so here we go. We could, I'll just try to use a couple examples. This may or may not fit any of us. But for me to live, some people will definitely say this, for me to live is money. For me to live is money. Man, that's what drives me. That's what gets me, man. I mean, it's money. Hey, there's nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with making money. Amen? Uh, But somebody said there's nothing wrong with having money. It's when money has you, right? For me to live is money. And to die is to have to leave it all behind. I used to know a fellow when I was in here, he'd always carry around in his little, in his little Bible cover, he had a picture of a hearse hauling, pulling a U-Haul trailer. Because there's the old saying that you never see a hearse with a U-Haul trailer hooked to the back of it. Uh, but he had a picture. I mean, he took the picture. He's off. But anyway, uh, but it's true. You don't take it with you. For me to live is money. And to, lie, to die is to leave it all behind. For me to live is fame. And to die is to be forgotten. For me to live is power. And to die is to lose it all. For me to live is self. And to die is just a waste. I mean, you know, not, everybody maybe could answer that a little bit differently. But man, may God help me to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, my driving force, it's Jesus. I remember when the Lord first saved me and uh, not long after the Lord first saved me, and uh, by this time, I remember dating Melanie. And I often, I often think about this. My mom would say that, uh, well, she said there for a while after I first got saved, all I talked about was Jesus. But then she said after I started dating Melanie, then all I ever want to talk about was Melanie and Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but at least it stayed in that order. Um, but, but, you know, for, for, for me to live is Christ. His discernment about this life. For me to live. His discernment about that life. So he had discernment about this life, but he also had discernment about that life. What did he say? And to die is gain. Of course, death had no terrors for the Apostle Paul. It simply meant departing. Look with me quickly, if you would, please. In verse number 22. Well, we read 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet uh, what I shall choose, I wot not. That word what just basically means I don't really care. It's fine with me. I'm, I'm a winner either way. If I go or if I stay, I'm a winner. I'm good. If God wants me to die, I'm good. If He wants me to live, I'm good. But notice this. For, I ha- for I'm in a straight betwixt the two, having a desire to depart. Circle that word depart or highlight that word depart. For me to, for, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now understand this. I used to have a, a, I used to have a, a fellow that would come to me and he said people would fuss at him sometimes because he'd say, man, I'm just ready to go to heaven. I'm ready for the Lord to come again. 
And people would say, well, you shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, as if uh, that, that, it's, it wasn't that he was wishing for death out of depression like we talked about with Elijah. We could, we could do that. That's the wrong way to hope for death. But the Apostle Paul was just saying, you know what? If death comes, I'm good with it. Amen? Um, and that's easy to say. Uh, but a matter of fact, he actually said, I would, it, it'd be far better for me to go to be with the Lord. Uh, understand this, folks, about heaven. Heaven is not the place where broken down people that ain't no good in this world anywhere go. It's really not. It, it, it's not a tragedy. It is not a tragedy, folks. That's right. It is not a tragedy for a child to go to heaven. Now, it may be from our perspective. It is a tragedy from our perspective that we miss them. But for that child, it is no tragedy. It was no tragedy that when my mom was my age, she went to heaven. Now, understand, I hope you understand clearly what I'm saying. From our side, yes. I mean, I still grieve about it to this day. Uh, but that's for selfish reasons, right? But I can't, I can't grieve for her being with the Lord. Are you kidding me? I mean, because we could think, oh my gosh, she didn't get to know the grandkids and all this and that and the other. Well, she'll, she'll have plenty of time with them. Amen? I'm telling you. I don't care how healthy a person was. I don't care the age of someone when they went to heaven. They would not come back for one day. They wouldn't. we got to get our, our idea of, of, of heaven fixed here. It's not a tragedy for people to go to be with the Lord. And never have a worry. Never have a care. Don't they miss me? As far as my mom's concerned, it was like yesterday. She's not up there like, like I'm down here thinking, oh my gosh, it's been so long. I miss her so bad, and I do. But I've got to rejoice for her. It's not a tragedy that she's with Christ. Amen. And that's what, that's what we've got to get that, man. We've got to understand what it really means. And, and I hope I am understood with this. I'm not glad when somebody dies, especially what we think prematurely. I'm really not. Uh, most of the time. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. Uh, but uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is this. Man, for that person, if they've gone to be with the Lord, it's a, it's a blessing for them. It stinks for me and it breaks my heart, by golly. Amen. The Bible says we don't sorrow. It just says we sorrow not as others that have no hope. Uh, we sorrow, buddy. We, we, our hearts are broken. We cry and we ought to. Amen. It wouldn't be nothing wrong if we just had a good cry tonight over our loved one that's going on to be with the Lord. I mean that. But do not let it be for their sake. Because they are so fine right now. They are so fine. I mean, they're doing so well. Uh, and so, uh, so, so death had no terrors for the Apostle Paul. It simply meant departing. So that word depart I told you to, to highlight. Okay? This word was used by soldiers. I want to give you a couple uses of this word. And I'm bringing this down uh, uh, to a close here in just a moment. This word was used by soldiers. It meant to take down your tent and move on. Amen? That's good. That's good. Just to take down your tent and move on. Amen. Hey, man, listen, we're not building some permanent structure here on this earth. Hey, we're just pilgrims passing through. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. Somebody says, what's a pilgrim? A pilgrim, somebody that's away from home. Or a stranger, somebody that's away from home. A pilgrim, somebody that's on their way home. Amen? Amen. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. That's what the Bible says. Don't drive your tent stakes too deep, but I mean, it might be time to pick them up and move. Just fold up your tent and move on. Uh, the soldier would depart. 
But it would also mean uh, to take down your tent and move on. But it was a picture uh, of Christian death. The tent that we live in is taken down at death and the Spirit goes to be with Christ in heaven. That same illustration is used in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1-8. through 8. The sailors used the word to depart. It meant to loosen a ship and set sail. <laughs> I like that. To loosen the ship and set sail. Amen. That's what it means to depart. Just to sail on to be with the Lord. Amen. I mean, buddy, let me tell you something. It's smooth sailing. Amen. After we get past the dying part. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, we, we dying might be a little intimidating, but death itself, man. Listen, we can say, you know what? My, my, my destiny is secure. Amen. All right. Um, so, to lose a ship and to set sail, Lord Tennyson used this figure of death in his famous poem, Crossing the Bar. But departure was also a political term. It described the setting free of a prisoner. God's people are in bondage because of the limitations of the body and the temptations of the flesh. But death will free them or they will be freed at the return of Christ. Amen. So when a slave would be set free, it would say they are being, they are departing. They are leaving. They're free. Praise God. One day we're going to drop the chains off of this old life. Amen. I mean, we're going to drop that. We're going to drop the limitations of the flesh. We're going to drop the sinfulness of this old flesh. Yes. Hey, I look forward to the day, brother, when I'll never sin again. Yes. I look forward to the day when I'll never fail again. Yes. What a day that'll be. Amen. I look forward to, where, to a day where I don't have to say, I'm sorry. Yes. Amen. Yes. I, I'll never have the sense of failure. I'll never have the sense of pain. I'm, you told me we preached about depression. That, that won't be in heaven. Amen. You know, there's a beautiful picture in the Bible, isn't it? And it's after the great white throne judgment when the Bible says, and God shall wipe the tears away from their eyes. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I mean, just like a mom or a daddy, that little toddler that's fallen over and got hurt, and, and, and that tender, loving mom reaches down there and wipes the tears from their eyes. Hey, isn't it a beautiful picture that God's going to wipe the tears away? I mean, there's going to be no more death there. There'll be no more parting there. There'll be no more separation there. We will be with the Lord forever. We will be with our loved ones that have gone on before us uh, forever. Heaven is a wonderful place, man. We're going to drop the stocks and the chains of slavery and depart to be with Him one day. And so, uh, depart. Then finally, departure was a word that was used by the farmers. It meant to unyoke the oxen. Paul had taken Christ's yoke, which was an easy yoke to bear in one sense, because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. But to, to depart, to be with Christ, would mean laying aside the burdens, his earthly work, uh, with his earthly work completed. That's a nice picture. When would they un unyoke that oxen? When its work was done. You know, I, I know some folks, they start getting a little older and stuff like that, and they start thinking they don't have a lot of purpose left. They start thinking maybe they don't have a lot to contribute. But I'm telling you, if you're still bearing the oak, you still got some plowing to do. Amen? And you might not be able to plow as long and as deep and as hard as you used to, but by God, you can still plow. God still has a purpose for your life. Amen? But when, the end, when, when that departing time comes, that farmer's going to take that yoke of oxen. He's going to say, your work is done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? 
depart. He said, man, and, and so there's no wonder why he said, I would just assume depart. Yeah. I'd just assume go on to be with the Lord. It wasn't that he was depressed and saying, woe is me, I wished I would die. Oh no, he was just saying, man, you talking, are you serious? I, I, I would much rather be with the Lord. However, to be here with you is more needful. So if God leaves me here, it's just for your sakes and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And that's why he was just willing to say, you know what? I'm good. And so he had a single mind. And this is one of the things that made Paul uh, this man that he was. Uh, he, it's, and I believe it's all surrounded by verse number 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So let's all stand tonight and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. But I want to challenge you on that. Man, just living a life that is determined. Living a life that's settled. Living a life that just says, you know what, Lord? I need help magnifying you tonight. Maybe like many in the world that... You know people that just magnify problems? We need to be able to bear and share one another's burdens. We need to be able to, to, to lay down and tell people, man, pray for me. I'm going through a tough time. So please understand me when I say that. But at the same time, man, we should not just be known for every time we open up our mouths, it's something bad. I do not want to be one of those people that people are scared to ask, how's it going? I've talked to people before and I, after listening to them, and I say, well, can you tell me something good? I'm just trying to encourage, can you tell me something positive? Can you, I mean, are you saved? Yeah, but. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's not get to that but too quick. You're saved? You know Christ? I mean, He loved you enough to go to the cross for you? He loved you enough to bear, your, bear and carry your sins, die for you? He loved you enough to send that message your way knowing the knucklehead that you'd turn out to be even after He saved you? Man, yes! Hallelujah! What a good God! But preacher, I don't understand. Well, I don't understand either. But one thing I know, I know I've got a God that loves me so much. And He loves you too. He loves, he loves you too much to do you wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. He's too powerful to fail you. And if I can just apply that to what I'm going through, no, I don't understand what you're going through. I don't understand what I'm going through. But I know He's too loving to do me wrong. I know He's too wise to make a mistake. And I know He's too powerful to fail. He cannot fail you. He will not fail you. He will not, cannot do you wrong. Cannot. He just loves you way too much. Amen. Look at the cross. He loves you way too much. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord. Now God, I pray You'd help me, dear Lord. I'm getting up here and preaching this message. And Lord, it's easy just to stand up here on a Wednesday night 
in good health and blessings and to preach a message like this, Lord. But God, I pray you'll help me, God, not to be disapproved preaching this to others and being and falling short myself, God. I sure need your help. And I want to pray for my, my dear brother and sister. God, that old devil will take and try to twist words and even our old minds will try to twist words and There might be somebody out there tonight thinking, well, he's making light of problems again. He's making light of difficulties and my problems. And oh, Lord, no, please. God, not at all. Not trying to make light of those things. The intention is just to magnify your greatness, to magnify your wisdom, to magnify the place that you prepared for us, dear Lord. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. So Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name.